Welcome to the Research and Innovation Podcast. I'm Dr. Sam Farley from the University of Leeds, and today I'm joined by Julie Dennis, who is Head of Diversity and Inclusion at the Advisory Conciliation and Arbitration Service, also known as ACAS. Julie, welcome. Hi, Sam. Lovely to be on this podcast today. And uh, today we are going to be talking about workplace bullying. So, uh, Julie, I've got a question to start us off. Uh, At ACAS, you deal and advise with quite a number of different workplace issues. Uh, Where does bullying rank in terms of the things that people come to ACAS for advice on? That's a really good question, Sam. And historically, our 2015 policy paper that we did when we looked into uh, incidents of bullying and harassment said that we consistently received around 20,000 calls to our helpline a year on bullying and harassment. In other words, that's on average about one call in every eight minutes to helpline uh, and our helpline is open all year round. Now, what we know now is calls to our helpline have dropped significantly um, to about 10,000 a year between April 2020 and March 2021. Uh, We saw a little bit of an increase uh, this year and it's probably explained by the amount of people on furlough, etc., Uh, or people not in work. However, the ACAS guide for employees uh, that we have around harassment and bullying has received between 15 to 25,000 visits a month during 2021, which actually is is a rise. So when we receive cases via our conciliation service, they're usually linked to discrimination on a protected characteristic. That'll be that there's you know, because there's no jurisdiction for bullying. So, you know, the con- conciliation stuff that we receive in relation to ET claims, the only way someone can complain about bullying is to directly link it to harassment or discrimination related to protected characteristic. So the types of things we hear where cases usually are linked to discrimination on protected characteristics include, you know, a claimant who believes they were discriminated against for racial reasons, meaning not being given opportunity at supervisor's job or excluded or bullied, or they feel that they're being bullied or harassed or victimised due to their race or their faith. And we also receive complaints of a lack of investigation into bullying, So, for example, one claimant uh, raised a complaint informally about bullying and harassment from a senior partner, and this was never investigated. So um, instead, they were actually called for a performance management meeting. So they they raised an issue and then they were penalised for speaking out. I see. And um, so when you get these calls through through the helpline, do you get a sense of what the main causes of these these complaints are? Um, is it the case, for example, that um, it's kind of institutional bullying? It's a, a very negative work environment, or is it that there's uh, one person in the workplace that is making everyone's life miserable? Do you get a sense of that? Do you actually investigate the claims? So. We don't investigate the claims. You know, our role at ACAS is to be that impartial, independent body. So, you know, we will get either the employee or the employer phone and result for advice on our helpline. When we're dealing with conciliation, our role is to try and negotiate between two parties to try and get them to resolve that dispute 
rather than going to an employment tribunal. So we don't investigate. However, our research does show that bullying manifests as a low level negative behaviour, such as rudeness, disregard for others or treating others with disrespect, uh, but which it may not be considered extreme enough to constitute bullying. However, our research also finds that these negative behaviours often overlap with bullying and when they're left unchecked or unmanaged, they contribute to the creation of cultures and tactically they, you know, accept bullying. This research has consistently shown that workplace bullying is most common in environments with poor workplace climates and it's often uh, instigated by someone who has more a more powerful position than the target. So it's frequently directed downwards from a manager or a senior manager to a subordinate. That's not to say that we don't see examples of bullying happening the other way, but it's normally at this link with power. What we also know is, you know, poor job design, work intensification, job stresses, workplace conflict, job insecurity, cultures or self-interest and that institutional power imbalance all have, have all been identified as organisational factors that can underpin and perpetuate work climates conductive to ill treatment and bullying. So, for example, where a job design and work organisation leads to high job demands and low job resources or limited uh, autonomy, for example, through the use of unreasonable workloads or targets or deadlines, then this can correlate with high degrees of work stresses and greater risk of ill treatment. And it seems to me, Julie, that ACAS have, have got their work cut out in a way because uh, we know from the, the research on it that there's different forms of bullying. There can be bullying that's related to what you do in your job, kind of work related bullying, where a, a person might be very you know criticized on a on a regular basis in, in an unfair manner or they might be um, ostracized from their team when someone's not uh, whereas the rest of the team aren't being ostracized but uh, bullying can also be uh, person related so as as you noted they're related to people's uh, backgrounds their religious characteristics their racial characteristics uh, related to maybe what they look like um, and, and there can also be kind of physically intimidating bullying as mm. well, combined with the fact that, that you mentioned there's these multiple causes of bullying, uh, that there's, uh, you know, the, the work environment, job characteristics and so on. But also people differ from each other, don't they? Just just naturally. So yeah. some are more dominant than others. Uh, some might be more provocative than others, although that's a, a, a bit of a taboo subject. And so I suppose all this combines uh, to make bullying a very difficult problem to manage because you've got these different types, different causes, which must mean that uh, each bullying situation that comes to ACAS must be very different. And so uh, I'm interested in what ACAS will will do when they, they step in to mediate. Is the mediation often successful? Uh, what happens after uh, the, 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 the mediation and the, and the arbitration has occurred? Do you have some research on that? 
Not necessarily on that. I mean, you know, I think one of the other things just for me to highlight is, you know, when we did our research in 2015, we also found that certain occupational groups or subsectors uh, where incidence of bullying was higher. So these included, you know, public sector ethnic minority workers or professional associate professionals in management occupations or women that worked in traditionally male dominated occupations. We also found that workers with disabilities or long term health problems, uh, LGBT uh, and also workers in healthcare were probably more likely to be subjected to, to unfair treatment. Uh, but, you know, anywhere where pressurised and toxic workplace environments exist um, for a wide range of reasons could be a bullying hotspot. I think the other thing as well, what we found at ACAS is the pandemic actually we saw a negative impact. So, for example, one in three disabled workers said that they'd been treated unfairly during the pandemic. And many reports that COVID has made things worse. You know, one in 13 said that they were being subjected to bullying and harassment or being ignored or excluded or singled out for criticism or being monitored more excessively at work. And we also know that 20% of workers said that they'd experienced being bullied in the last three years. And that's a 12% increase compared to numbers of cases reported in the three years up to 2019. Um, and again, this figures higher in certain sectors such as retail, transportation and educational sectors. So, you know, again, it all comes down to this lack of clarity who, you know, as to what bullying is and, and, and what the job's about and stuff like that. So I think, you know, in terms for for us going in and trying to, to you know, negotiate or resolve workplace bullying, it's, it's really, you know, in, in that conciliation role, it's really difficult because, like I say, we're just there to try and bring both parties together. Although when our senior advisors go into organisations, you know, their role is more to get underneath what is causing that culture. Uh, and that could uh, take a long work where, you know, a senior advisor will work very closely with senior managers in that organisation, but also go and speak to staff and find out what are the underlying causes. Because sometimes people don't realise that their behaviour actually is coming across as bullying or intimidating or, you know, that that negative behavior mm, mm. and you noted there that i mean it's often very difficult with bullying because we we don't always have a very clear idea of what it entails uh, some academic research i was aware of recently um found that across europe if you if you look at thousands and thousands of uh, bullying studies the proportion of people that were kind of subjected to severe bullying, and, and by this we mean uh, experiencing negative behaviour on a weekly basis over a prolonged period of time, was um, was 3%. So 3% mm. of the workforce experienced that really severe bullying, but about around kind of 10 to 12 of the, the working population experienced occasional bullying behaviour. And uh, in this this research also suggests, as as you note from your own research, it occurs more in places like education, healthcare, public administration, the the public sector in general. Uh, and there was there was kind of two 
main reasons for that. Uh, it was suggested in, in public sectors, people often have a job for life. So it means, uh, you know, when it's, it's often very difficult for um, individuals to move jobs uh, because they want, don't want to do that. And it's also more difficult for uh, organizations to get rid of people and and so the the, the upshot of that is that um, managers can often kind of seek to bully people out mm, mm. The, the the other reason was that in these sectors uh, the job role by its nature involves more contact with people so as a nurse or as a teacher you have to deal with people in your job role which makes the the chances of you having a negative relationship with someone higher. Uh, Whereas in something like manufacturing, your job is more instrumental, perhaps there's less dealing with with people. But you also noted in your in your response there the pandemic. And I wondered if you could uh, give us a sense of how you think the pandemic has, has, has influenced workplace bullying. Does it occur more online, for instance? Yeah, and and again, Sam, that's a really good question because you know we know because of the pandemic, you know, a lot of more people are working from home. Um, so you know, bullying and harassment can still happen when employers are working from home. For example, through social media, emails, phone calls, or online chat. Um, and examples of bullying and harassment that can happen remotely include, you know, inappropriately stopping someone from coming to meetings or activities or putting humiliating offensive or threatening comments or photos on social media putting someone down in a meeting revealing sensitive personal information and spreading false rumors you know all all of those things are ways that people can can bully you know online i think the other thing as well the difference with with home working is you're letting people into your home whereas before if you were in an office environment and there's other people around then people can hear what's going off but if you're working on your own you're on a team's call with somebody else and there's no witnesses you know it's you against them really isn't it so you you've not got that evidence as much as to if that person's you know treating you treating you differently what we also know again at ACAS is you know reports especially around sexual harassment point that there's been a rise or simply that it's moved into people's homes so 45% of women reported experiencing harassment online through sexual messages, cyber harassment and sexual calls. And that's research that the Fawcett Society did in September 2021. And they also found that almost a quarter of women who've been sexually harassed said the harassment had increased or escalated since the start of the pandemic. Uh, while they were working from home. That research also showed that ethnic minority workers reported higher rates of sexual harassment than white workers over the last 12 months. Um, We also know from research done by the Rights of Women in in January 2021 that nearly one in two women said that they'd experienced sexual harassment at work uh, and reported to experience some of it or all of it online and 15% of those women who experienced sexual harassment at work did say it had increased during COVID Uh, and nearly one in three women who had reported sexual harassment to their employers said that the process had been negatively impacted uh, by the, the pandemic. We're also seeing an increase in 
you know, working remotely that has seen corresponding increase in female staff receiving sexist comments about their appearance online in meetings and comments referring to, you know, the wearing of makeup or wearing of more revealing clothing or increased concerns about sexist and offensive jokes. Uh, and in more extreme cases, you know, there's been examples of female staff who've joined Zoom and team meetings to find male colleagues in the bath or colleagues exposing themselves, which, you know, it's, it's I, I'm, you know, I, I just get astounded, you know, when I read research like that, because it's like, you just wouldn't act like that in an office environment. So why do people think it's acceptable to do that when they're working from home? Um, uh, well, I was going to ask the same, Judy. Did, did the, the, the research uh, tell you why there'd been such an increase in, in, in this type of behaviour? Not really. I think, you know, reading between the lines, I think it's people feel that they're more comfortable, don't they? You know, um, and, and I think people's behaviour, because they are working from home and it is a more relaxed environment. So, you know, it's. I think what happened during the pandemic, you know, people were like, oh, well, I've, if you're going into the office, isn't it, you, you, you have, you know, a lot of us will have work clothes and you'll you'll get ready and stuff like that. Whereas working from home, people think, well, actually, I can wear more casual clothes because I'm at home. But actually, it's, it's still about trying to be, you know, you still need to be professional. And especially if you're having Zoom or team video meetings, you know, you need to be respectful and actually sat there in your pyjamas or a dressing gown actually isn't acceptable because you wouldn't do that in the office. You wouldn't uh, be, you know, so informal in that, you, you know, you're at work. So I, I just I, I don't know whether, you know, the people involved realised what they were doing, didn't realise the impact. You know, I mean, I know some we've we've spoke before, haven't we, about, you know, I truly believe that you know, most people don't get up in the morning and think, right, who am I going to upset today or whose life am I going to make a misery? You know, most people, when they they do something or because they work in close contact, sometimes they may be stressed at the time. So they may snap at someone. They may have their own demands. So I think most people don't intentionally go out to make somebody's life a misery. So. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see that research that was done to see, well, did they actually speak to those individuals and say, you know, why did you think it was acceptable to do a Teams call sat in the bath? Mm. Or, you know, expose it, you know, what part yeah. of you thought that that was okay? Um, that would be really interesting. <laughs> I, I know from some of the cyber stuff we've uh, done that, I mean, people often feel... Um, less evaluated online so so um they pay less attention to their own thoughts and feelings and less attention to the thoughts and feelings of others mm. uh which which might explain i suppose why you get so many kind of very rude comments on social media why sexual harassment maybe goes up online because you feel less evaluated than you do uh face to face i think the other thing i just want to say you know cyberbullying and again you know a lot of organisations are, you know, adapting. Uh, but again, at ACAS, to be honest, we'd say the guidance around that is the same principles as what you're doing when people are in the office. Uh, that said, you know, we would advise employers to include guidance on different communication methods. So including social media, bullying, discriminationary policies, and actually setting out what's clearly what is 
what behaviour is unacceptable. I think you've also got that duty of care for your staff, especially if you are an organisation where you may have staff that are using social media to promote your organisation. Again, what protection are you going to put in place for those staff? Because we know, don't we, Sam, that the world out there, the world of Twitter, for example, can be really, really toxic. So making sure that everybody knows what is acceptable, not acceptable, but also what support you will give to your staff if they, you know, face that unwelcome treatment uh, from customers and stuff like that. Even though, you know, there's no legislation around third party harassment, you still have that duty of care to en enable your people to work in a safe environment. Thank you, Julie. I wanted to end with um, a question on some of the stuff that's been reported in the media about um, startups and companies and, and, and particularly thinking about uh, Brewdog, who are now coming under some scrutiny. Uh, companies that grow very fast, uh, I suppose, and um, are surprised then when staff come out and say they don't like the work environment it was too pressurized there was a there was bullying going on there was maybe sexual harassment going on as 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 well now if you're a very fast growing organization what what tips would would acas um suggest implementing to try and prevent bullying so at acas you know the one thing that we talk about is good employment relations are really key here especially as an organisation expands to include middle managers. So it's about that organisation needing to make sure that managers are trained. You know, training is really key and more generally encourage a positive workplace climate. So I would also say it's important to understand, you know, what are the stresses on your managers, especially if your, your organisation is growing? And it's good to highlight the importance of healthy, fair relationships throughout the organisation to lessen that risk of them feeling overworked in their role. And also, I'd say to those organisations, you know, don't forget what are the stresses faced by your staff you know it's not just your managers that will be facing those stresses but will be your staff you know those who are overloaded in their role are likely to experience more negative emotions and subsequently display aggression or bullying also prioritize designing jobs in a way that ensure staff are clear about which actions to take to fulfill their role and what the demands of their job are um and what they can do if they cannot meet all of those expectations because as we know our research shows that one of the the uh, drivers for inappropriate behavior bullying in the workplace is poor job design so again it's also important to ensure that your staff feel at a level of self-management and control over their working life and actually providing them with that autonomy to decide how where and when to work that's a, a, a fantastic answer, Julie. And um, I suppose as well, I, I, I think it's good to highlight the ACAST website, which has a whole host of uh, resources for organisations and, and people who are feeling like they are being bullied in the workplace. So if, if that's of interest, do, do check that out. Uh, Julie, thank you. You're welcome, Sam. It's been a pleasure. Thank you to our listeners. If you want to research anything more about this, you can find details of the ACAST website in the show notes.